Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Move Prestige, where we've got a great film today, but it might have a couple of you people scratching your head about why it's in the Prestige uh, release. It's 1982's First Blood, which is indeed an action film, but we'll, we'll get to our defense here in a minute. Uh, it's directed by Ted Kotcheff, uh, who, if you were like me, was like, literally, who? Uh, he also directed Uncommon Valor, uh, a war film starring Gene Hackman, and a bunch of comedies like Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Okay. Uh, this, this movie is had, a lot like Weekend at Birdies. A lot. It is exactly like Weekend yeah. at Birdies, uh, which is why it's course uh, prestige. Uh, it's a screenplay written. Now, I this is just a partial list. Uh, Michael Kozel, William Sackheim, and Sly Stallone, who had the final revision, as, as the legend has. But there's there were like 18 different revisions. Um, it's based on the novel First Blood by David Morrill. Uh, and it's got music by the prolific Jerry Goldsmith. I actually thought the soundtrack was really, really good. Uh, it's got the uh oh, we might have a disagreement. Ninety percent of the, the soundtrack is is great. Okay, the credit, the credit after the credit the oh song. Oh my god, dude! We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know if he's responsible for that because the actual score to dun 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 dun. You know, like the like uh-huh. the, it was good for the action scenes, and the, he also has some kind of heart string pulling music too that she that mm-hmm. really makes the film work in the moments that it needs to. Uh, it stars Sylvester Stallone as John Rambo, a tortured Vietnam, literally tortured Vietnam vet. Uh, trying to make his way back home. Uh, Richard Crenna, who plays the Colonel Tra- Troutman uh, character, who is the Dr. Frankenstein to Sly Stallone's monster. And Brian Dennehy uh, is another type of monster, uh, a, a small time cop that can't stand drifters and vagrants. And he's got it in for this Medal of Honor winner, uh, John Rambo. And also a teeny tiny baby, David Caruso. <laughs> yeah. Might might just be a newly minted David Caruso. I didn't actually look, but he's got a fairly, fairly big part in the early goings of this movie. And, uh, you know, he sticks out like uh, emergency flare as soon as he shows up on the screen. <laughs> he so. really does. I didn't realize how red his hair was, maybe because I've seen him later in life. But oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Now, here's the thing. If you think Rambo prestige, what are you guys smoking? Uh, let me tell you, because I used to think that same way. I grew up playing Rambo video games, seeing the Rambo cartoon. I wasn't yeah. allowed to see the actual movies, but I knew enough from my cousins and pop culture to know it's just big roided up Stallone mowing down hundreds of dudes, exploding arrows af- off in Afghanistan, fighting Russians and just this over the top crazy action. And I don't know if we saw this at the same time. Like this is one of the things when we were going through action movie kick. But I know we I watched it together at some point. Yeah. OK. And, and maybe it was like I told you, like, we should watch Rambo or the first blood. And you're like, ah, it's stupid. And I'm like, no, serious. Because like when I first saw this film, I was ready for some dumb, stupid Arnold Sylvester action movie commando type of thing. And I just couldn't believe how good this film was. Yeah. Like, yes, it has action, but it's fairly grounded and it's all character driven. And the central figure of. Rambo has got so much pathos mm-hmm. um, and then the final scene is like legitimately devastating um, the, you know the, 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 the pain that this guy's enduring I think it's a great film and I think it works for a lot of different reasons it's kind of like this thing that accidentally came together it sounds like uh, what did you think of the film uh, and what do you think of it now yeah I have the, the same opinion you do on it um, I, I was 
I was so thoroughly impressed by this movie uh, going into it, expecting it to be Rambo two, Rambo three. Um, th- this is a whole different beast. This feels like a, a series that has kind of perverted the original intent of the Rambo series um, and mm-hmm. just turned it into an action over the top action movie. Uh, but this first movie is surprisingly poignant. And I, I read uh, like Roger Ebert's review of the thing and it, it was contemporary. It was 1982. And he seemed to think that um, you have to remember Roger Ebert is a guy who's even at that point had seen a lot of films, right? Um, and a lot sure. of really high profile and then prestigious films. Um and so when he, you know, calls back to other films that have done this same sort of moment at the end with the the big speech and the, the you know, emotional um, breakdown that the character has to have over going to Vietnam and, and coming back, you know, broken and unwanted, essentially, uh, with nothing. He's seen three other movies that do that, at least. Uh, I hadn't. And so when I saw this movie, it kind of blew me away. and. It, you know, it's like the ending is Sylvester Stallone being Sylvester Stallone in some ways, like, oh, like the, you can barely understand what he's saying half the time. But right. the stuff that does come across is enough for me to just go, wow, this movie has some depth to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it starts off that way, too. It's gets sort of bookended with those two things. And in between is what I think is a, a really incredibly paced action film. Oh, my um, God. And yes, this this movie has basically two two halves, right? Well, I mean, it's obviously got three acts, but the two action parts of it are especially the first one, the the battle in the forest. Um, That's just an amazing action piece all around. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then, you know, it gets a little muddier when they get to the town uh, at the end. But even that keeps you engaged the entire time. And this movie is only an hour and a half long. This is an easy watch and it, it brings a lot of heart. It brings a lot of pathos. It brings a lot of really great action. I love this film. And I think it's amazing. And I didn't realize this. So I started reading some, some contemporary views of it because, but it, it tracked one kill in this movie, one yeah. death. And it's an accidental one. Uh-huh. Uh, it's pretty, uh, it, it, it's pretty incredible. And like, if you, I think that that's the thing is if you tell that to people, uh, like they, it just completely blows their mind that this is actually a Rambo film. And it's, it's similar mm-hmm. to like, you know, Rocky who's, yeah. you know, Stallone wrote and won Oscars for, I think he's got like, um, he's got these, the gift of like the, the Boyd Crowder character. Uh, who's the guy that plays Boyd Crowder? Um, Walter I, Goggins. Blanking. Walter Goggins. Wal- Walton. Is a, Walton Goggins. Walton yeah. Goggins is very good at playing smart characters that by circumstances of the birth, give them a speech impediment that allows them, that, that doesn't allow them to be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, if you've got the, the mind of Einstein, but you talk like you just walked out of a coal mine in Appalachia, 90% of people in America are going to write you off. If you yeah. have like this agile, intelligent, quick mind, but you were born in like, you know, the wrong side of the tracks in Philly or in the Bronx, same, same difference. And I think that's like that, that, that kind of little bit of the yo Adrian that comes out of this film gives you, but everything else in this film gives you this idea that this guy is just a force to be reckoned with. And you can't be like, he's not a meathead, no. you know, 
uh he's he's careful he's a he's a planner he's very tactical and and, and strategic um and also like the, the other thing they do is they make i think both sides sympathetic i think they could have done a little bit better of a job with brian dennehy's character because there's a lot of stuff in the novel and maybe in the the gargantuan three and a half hour cut that this film first yeah you know the, the first draft of it that was in there and it kept cutting and cutting and cutting Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing about Sly is that, man, I watched a couple interviews of him talking about this and he always comes across me. He's talking about film and incredibly smart. Yeah. And one of his insights into this film is like, I guess like one of the alpha versions of this film was loaded with kind of contemporary one liners and zingers where he was like, you know, at one point in, in, in this, the cut, he killed an owl and said, eat that, you mouse-eating motherfucker. And there's, like, lots of... <laughs> wow. And, and when he saw this, and it was such... He, he said he felt... He actually, I guess when he first saw the full clip, or the full cut, he wanted to buy the negatives and burn it, because he thought this was going to ruin his career. Yeah. But sitting and kind of, you know, working on the... Post-working on the edits and scripts, the idea was, like, just cut all of his dialogue... And, and, and so that like when you get to the end, you're bookended by his awkward performance with the mother of a person he served with in Vietnam and then his emotional breakdown with the one man, maybe in the whole world that he still trusts. Yeah, uh, that's what sticks out in your mind. And it's such a it was such a smart instinct to pair like the the pull a, a, a lean, mean slice alone esque 90 minutes out of this three and a half hour disaster. Uh, and it just it just works so well. And, and every single yeah. time. Every single time I watch it, I appreciate a little a little bit more of the the details and the characterizations and stuff. For example, for the first time, uh, I was watching him talking to the mother of the guy that didn't you know, made it back from Vietnam but died of cancer, Agent Orange and all that. They allude to that. Yeah. And he talks as he's talking to his mom and trying to get her to warm up to him. He's like, yeah, look, you know, here's me and here's the other all the other guys in Baker squad. And here's this guy. Of course, we had to put him in the back because he's so big. You know, if we put him in front, he'd. And, you know, a minute later, she's talking about how he wasted away. And she's like, at the end, I didn't even need help to lift him, you know, buy a sheet out of his bed. Like, it just like without without even telling you talk about like when he's later says cancer eats ate him to the bone. It's like just really smart stuff like that in the script. I thought was uh, just really remarkable um, how efficiently they get this information across without you even really realizing it. Yeah, su- super economical storytelling. Um, and and it doesn't seem like it was that way to begin with. But like what they got this down to, this is a film that was saved in the edit, like Star Wars, like The Godfather, like all of these great films. Uh, this is another one of those. And like the Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> right, right. We need more. <laughs> we need more Rambo. Can Zack Snyder get in uh-huh. there? Uh, but yeah, they, they, they cut down so much, but you get everything you need, right? I understand he's a POW. He was tortured. Uh, he never broke under that torture. Uh, and and so when Troutman comes in and starts talking, you know, like, like these police are completely fucked and they're fighting against essentially a country's worth of army and one man, Mm -hmm. you believe it, right? You, you see what he's already been through, but they don't spend much time on it. They spend maybe 30 seconds in flashbacks showing us his torture scenes. 
Yeah. And in, in all in like context of like, uh, yes. you know, he's in a jail cell and he's being, you know, manhandled and sprayed with the hoses and all this other shit that goes down probably in small town lockups. And it's all just triggering the fuck out of him because he remembers mm-hmm. apparently being in a POW camp and being mistreated by the Viet Cong. And it's uh, and again, Stallone, when he's not full on Yo Adrian mode, has this kind of like. When he's just like neutral face, there's something kind of both noble and sad about him. Yeah. Like he's got this resting kind of like I've used this word, I think, three times already pathos mm-hmm. um, that he, it's hard to imagine anyone with the physicality uh, required to do the stuff he does, because that's the other thing that sets this movie apart the stunts like mm-hmm. the practical stunts are amazing. But it's hard to imagine anybody else carrying both sides of this. Like Arnold yeah. in this stage could have done the physicality, probably not as well, honestly. Yeah. Like he's never been nimble. He's, he's always just been big. this specimen, this like mountain yeah. dude that's doing stuff. Whereas Stallone's doing all this rolling around and jumping over stuff and kind of acrobatic things. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in terms of like acting, oh my god, especially in this era, he was leaving Arnold in the dirt, the dust. So yeah, for sure. Before we actually spoil the whole movie, I know this is an old film. This is back in 82. Uh, it's coming on 40 years old. Uh, I imagine there's a lot of people that weren't even born, probably have not seen this or might be like us dismissing it based based on the popular culture that's built up around Rambo. Yeah. Um, but this movie is about, uh, you know, this guy, John Rambo, who's about eight years out of the Vietnam War, and he's a homeless vet in America. All of his special forces Green Beret squad had did not make it out of Vietnam except for one. And we join him trying to track him down. And we find out that 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 fella too uh, succumbed to cancer based uh, on his exposure to various chemicals in the war. And as he's processing that, he's walking through the small town that this guy hails from Hope, Washington, set in the Pacific Northwest, which is a great location for this film. Yeah, Uh, he's picked up by a local sheriff who doesn't like the look of this, this vagrant walking through his town. And, you know, there's a scuffle that ensues. Rambo's picked up for vagrancy and resisting arrest. And in the process of processing him, a couple of sadistic deputies push him too far. He busts out of jail, escapes through the woods, and it becomes a vendetta between Mm -hmm. the sheriff who has to take this guy in to prove himself right. And John Rambo, who will not be tamed by the likes of him. Uh, And again, I I cannot stress, like, even though I've seen this film probably six or seven times, like it'd been a while and I didn't remember exactly all the action beats. And it's just it, it gets less riveting in the second half yeah. um, because the action scale intensifies. But the like it's all like mano a mano with him and Dennehy. Mm-hmm. But it leads to a very satisfying emotional climax. Um, and yeah, yeah. Watch it. Watch it. If you if you only watch one classic 80s action movie, please make it Rambo. Uh, yeah. Well, before we get into our full spoiler thoughts about the movie, let's take a little break. Okay. Um, This film probably works better than it has any right to be. Let's talk about why. I mean, we kind of already talked about a lot of the the reasons why, but I want to talk about um, first thing that stands out to me is the stunt work. Um, How it's all very grounded and plausible and overall uh, above all else real like 
there are not fast cuts. There mm-hmm. are not CGI. There's not people painting faces over with green screen. Um, it's two great car chases. Um, I say car chases, although they involve an, like an Enduro Max bike and one yeah. like a deuce and truck, a half yeah. military truck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, this is back in the era where you're not going to get green screen, right? 82, they didn't have yeah. that technology. So uh, I guess I guess they did. Star Wars did it. But like you're not getting it in a four, 14 million dollar uh, Rambo film. Yeah. And like, you know, when you see a guy like there's just so many great scenes like him busting out of jail is um, first of all, they keep building the tension because I kept on thinking when I was it's been a, a while and I couldn't remember exactly when he breaks. And I mm-hmm. kept on thinking like, oh, when Denny, he grabs him and throws him against a car. Oh, surely when they're booking him here. Oh, and they're fingerprinting them. Oh, yeah. and they when they hit him with a nightstick in the back. But it's the detention like you, you know, even if you. You know, like I knew who Rambo was when I first watched this film. And I was like, well, he's not going to put up with this shit. Like I was actually kind of amazed. So like by the time he breaks loose, you'll want to see him go on a tear. Yeah. But he's also really restrained. I mean, he's doing just enough he, that he needs to get out of there and get to some place where he feels safe. Yeah. Um. So that's one of the things I guess that Stallone did when he got a hold of this script. Um. He read it. He liked it, but he did some rewrites to it. And one of those things he set out to do was make John Rambo more sympathetic. And I, I don't know exactly where that comes in here, but I feel that in the movie, like from the jump when he's simply walking down the road and now he gets hassled by this cop, I'm already on his side. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that part of it really works because through the whole movie, I'm thinking, well, the only guy I really don't want to see die here. The only two, I guess are like, John Rambo and maybe Mitch, David Caruso's character, because mm, yeah. he seems all right if if he yeah. was left to his own devices. But kind of complicit because of the system that he's that he's joined up with here. Right. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I just it it's it's so good. And I'll, yeah, I, I like that because like I guess in the book, Rambo is more of just like a, a more of a monster. Okay. Like there is no restraint. There's no control. He kills people because, you know, for, I think, yeah. justifiable reasons or like you can understand why. But it's, you know, it's hard even, you know, as jaded as we are today, it's really hard to watch a person just mow down, you know, peace officers. Right. Sure. Uh, you have to make him pretty fucking evil. And I think one of these guys, especially I forget his name, the only death in the film. Uh, but like and again, in, in Disney fashion, he dies of. <laughs> of a fall from a great height uh, due to his own stupidity and arrogance and blood lust uh, yeah. more than anything that Rambo does. Gotta hate uh, that guy it's, so much. It's smart. Oh yeah. He's such a dick. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying the, the, uh, uh, the soundtrack I think is really good because in the tense lead up to these things, they got that kind of uh, motif that dun, 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 dun. Um, but also in the quiet parts where he's reflecting or being traumatized, uh, it's got this kind of like sad, you know, um, emotional score that supports everything it has to do. Mm-hmm. And like, there's especially, I, I can't, I, there's a, like a Rambo triumph that plays like once or twice. Like I one time is when his deuce and a half busts through the police, um, uh, barricade. And it looks like he's like, maybe gets to apparent freedom. Uh, that also like, you know, there's a couple of moments of soaring triumph that I enjoyed. Uh, yeah. The you you talked about the your favorite stunt sequence being the stuff in the woods. 
Oh, uh, yeah. talk a little about that, because I thought like, you know, I'm in a bit of a, a bushcraft kick right now. I enjoyed seeing this guy just like living off the land, roughing it. I thought you might, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I really like I don't know if I'll ever build a man, man trap out of sticks and uh-huh. stones, but like uh, it, it it works really well. Yeah. And everything there works really well for me. The lead up to it, the chase um, where, you know, he's on this bike and you see this cop who clearly has no business going the places he's going in this car. Uh, trying to follow mm. Rambo on the bike, but you know he chases him anyway because he's got that like bug up his ass where he won't be proven wrong. Um, and and there are some really cool stunts there. I love some of the things they do to hide the stuntman's face because it's clearly not Sylvester Stallone riding this bike. But they they have a scene where the bike rides right at the camera, and Dude. And, and the the guy is like Rambo's not wearing a helmet, so you can't really hide Mm-mm. his face with a helmet. So what do you do? The dude does a wheelie to get the front of the bike up in front of his face going uphill. It, it's just such a badass stunt. Like the, the I, block, I have to yeah. imagine they, they approach this stunt man and we're like, well, can you do anything here? Can you help us out? And he's like, Oh yeah, you gotta, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to ride right past the camera. It's going to be obvious. You're not sly. What can you do? Hey, can I get the, fr- I'll just get the front wheel and I'll yeah. turn it slightly. So it perfectly eclipses my head. No problem. You just see the Rambo wig around the wheel uh-huh. and I'll pop it right when there came a resolution. will will or he's like looking over his shoulder. Uh huh. So you can't tell. And just as he's turning around, he, he rides the wheelie past the camera. I slow when I saw that. It, yeah. Cause this dude. is a, First time I've watched this as like my my half ass critic capacity. And I'm like, fucking a because that's the thing about old uh, action films is like the stunt doubles. You can just tell. Yeah. You know? All the time. Yeah. You, you, you can tell they're wearing padding under their flannel. You can tell they're just a dude in the wig. You know, they didn't even like really too much with it, like hair and makeup to make a match. But this was yeah. this was really incredible. Yeah, that's um, great stunt, man. And then, you know, once they get into the woods and then he and his crew of like five cops or whatever are are hunting him uh that stuff is really cool and they they leave it mysterious right like rambo is kind of moving outside of the scope of the camera so even you as an audience member don't quite know where he's going to be and they do this sort of camouflage uh depth of field stuff where you can't quite tell what's going on in the background until somebody walks by and then they focus in and rambo jumps down out of a tree right the, and he's always yeah. been there you just didn't notice it before it's it's very much like the Christian Bale Batman where he's just exploding out of nooks and crannies, like dropping yeah. out of a tree, bl- coming out of a, like a rotten bank of leaves, um, mm-hmm. coming out of and a, cr- a also, river. The violence isn't really exploitative because I think that would feel gross in the context of this. Yeah. Um, it's wild how like sensitive this movie was in 1982 about PTSD, but like. It still is like I was on edge because it's not like in Predator where you see men gutted and spinal cords pulled out and like mm-hmm. our limbs blown out. But like when that dude took the uh, the the little spike trap to the leg, it's even though it's not sensationalized gore, the anguish on the character's face and like the performance, like when David Caruso takes that knife to the thigh, yeah. they cut away before you even see it. But you just hear him screaming like a stuck pig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, and it like it really is like visceral, you know, and like when Rambo's hanging off by his fingernails on his edge of the cliff by like this crazy cop. I mean, I'm just thinking of that stunt like you got a guy on a yeah. cliff. He's got to have wires. You got to be painting them out. You got this helicopter doing heroic pilots in this ravine mm-hmm. and you got wide shots. So you see they're not faking anything. 
Um, it's just genuinely exciting to the point where like the one probably most unbelievable stunt in the whole movie where he desperation throws himself off yeah. a cliff and just bounces off. It's just on the edge of believability. And he did, did like, I guess um, Stallone, the last third of the tree fell, did that stunt himself and broke a rib doing it. Oh, uh, it yeah. really sells the actions like, OK, that's kind of like when Omar jumps out of the fourth window, the story window of an apartment uh, complex at the, towards the tail end of the wire. It's like you think that a man can't do that. And then you read like, oh, actually, that's based on the real Omar. He actually did do that. And sometimes for, uh, it's it's just I don't know. It it, it worked mm-hmm. um, it, like any skepticism is kind of blown away by what you've seen Stallone already do and very close shots right. where he's clearly doing his own stunts. Um, and it, it, I, everything there is done so quickly, too. It's like he lures them into this trap that he's had a little bit of time to set up. Um but but you get the like, you know, he put this together very quickly. And also when it goes down, it goes down fast, right? Like, yes, you've got six guys here and he like they send the dogs in after him or whatever. Uh, he takes them out and then he just he leads them down this primrose path to his planned traps where he in a matter of like two minutes of screen time, he takes down six dudes. Um, mm-hmm. it It really paints a picture of a guy who as Troutman later says, you know, is this force to be reckoned with? Yeah. And I, I kind of think those, like, I like when you see the illustration between people that are professional killers and people who are just like amateurs, they talk about this and like the expanse, whenever Amos is talking about, you know, he always defers to Bobby because he's like, you know, I'm just like an amateur at this. She's like a real trained killer. And like one of my favorite books, uh, Clancy books is uh, clear and present danger where among other things, a group of commandos is in South America fucking around with cartel, but there's six of them left and they're facing off 200 like cartel soldiers with AK 47s, everything you'd think they're fucked, right? Well, these are six special forces dudes that can, they just see things differently like terrain. They know psychologically, like if we kill a couple of these dudes, they're going to be so pissed and angry that they're going to charge ahead into this withering crossfire that we've got set up. And it kind of shows like these guys are just, you know, they got six dudes they are all hunting. Right. They're joking about, hey, we hunted deer up here last year. We know this and, you know, we we know this area and he don't. And this is going to be like a fun time. (laughs) Ten minutes later, they're singing a whole different tune. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, he's. He's just a professional and they don't know what the hell they're doing. They're not dealing, yeah. haven't dealt with anything but a drunk and a vagrant in years. So that's the thing that kills me is uh, Brian Dennehy's character, Will Teasel or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Never actually changes his tune throughout this whole movie, right? There's no lesson that he learns. There's no respect that he comes to for Rambo and either his skills or what he's been through. Um I do wish there was something a little bit more there because like as soon as uh, so they, they blow up this mine and they think Rambo's dead inside mm-hmm. and they're trying to uncover it. it turns out Rambo's not dead. Uh, he comes out the other side of this mine and they find out. Right. And this guy in the meantime has sat down with Troutman and had this apologetic uh, scene where he's talking about, you know, I he he wanted to kill him and he feels bad about that now. And he's not sure like if he even would have killed him though. Now he doesn't need to worry about that because Rambo's dead. He'll never be confronted with that decision. And then he's immediately confronted with the, the idea that Rambo's still alive. And he goes right back into that mode where he's like, well, fuck it. I'm the sheriff and he did everything wrong and he's got to be punished. 
there's never right. any reckoning for that character. Yeah, and I want to talk about a missed opportunity, I think, in the script to, to help. Because uh, as it is, like, there's not much redeeming in the police department no. other than Caruso's kind of reticence about, like, geez, can't you see this guy's crazy? We're treating this guy. This guy's a, you know, uh, a hero, a war vet. All like, why, why are we doing this? Um, yeah. The other thing, uh, I don't know how much to say about the tail end of the movie. It's all cool. Like he blows up a gas station and a gun store with like piles of black powder and it's all kind of plausible and he just destroys a police station with a machine gun. Yeah. But it's bigger and kind of dumber and not as tense. Like you don't have those like, you know, it's it's Batman slugging it out with uh, Superman in his power suit. It's not the Batman taking down street level th- thugs like a, like a phantom from a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um. But the other thing, like, there's a couple other things I thought was really cool. Like when he falls out of the tree, he's got this pretty nasty cut on his arm. I don't know how they did it, but that's such a is like this realistically pulsing blood wound that he's stitching up. It it looks like I would swear that he's just stitching up a real wound of himself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a fake arm. Like there's clearly some piping and tubing. It just looks amazing. Um, also, this knife is. When I was growing up, these Rambo knives, the hollow knife, you, un- you had a compass, you unscrewed. It's got fishing line and fishing hooks and a razor blade and maybe, yeah. I don't know, a, a, a rubber hose for a tourniquet. Like, it, it's like my cousin had one of these things. You cut like two inch limbs off. I wanted one so bad. And my mom's like, you'll kill yourself with it. Mm-hmm. But like, I still think every this it's super iconic. And I guess like this single handedly revitalized the knife industry in America. So uh, I hear like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this this made all your pawn shops and your mall ninja and you know the dudes running the stuff in the corner of the gun shows. This this was what put them on the map, and they're still eating out. They're still eating out on it. Uh, I mean, Forty years later, it was a super popular movie. Um, it it was number one in the box office for multiple weeks. Uh, it it made ten times its budget practically. It was like fourteen million dollar budget, one hundred twenty five million box office. So. Wow. I, yeah, a lot of people saw this movie and a lot of people, I think, really liked this movie, although I don't know that critics really did very much. Well, it's one of those films where, like, I think critically, Eber gave it three stars, which mm-hmm. is fair for what the criticisms he had of it. But I think yeah. that this was not appreciated in its time because it came out so close to Vietnam era. And it's mm-hmm. been like, I think people weren't really ready to confront, like, fully that whole legacy shit still, I don't know that we're ready to confront that whole legacy in an honest way. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Like, it seems like, um, it, it was mixed reviews at its time, but like it's sitting like an 87% fresh and rotten tomatoes. Now, um, do you have anything to say about the stunt work in particular, or do we want to move on to talking about Ram? I want to talk about Rambo, the character and Sly Stallone playing him. It, it might be the case. I'm not sure because I looked at some of the names, uh, at the end credits of the stunt people that were working on this and, uh-huh. Um, at least one of them matched a name, uh, a last name that uh, Troutman shouts out when he's talking about when he's trying to communicate with Rambo and he's in the cave mm. and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, t- listing the people in his company or whatever. Um, I-, I wonder if all of those stuntmen were were names that were listed in that roster. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that all of the National Guardsmen who were just extras, uh, their on-screen names were their real-life names. Oh, okay. Like when they're shouting, cool. Bobby, you got to do that. I ain't going in there. Like, that's like, that guy's name's Robert, so. Yeah. Uh, 
one of the thing, one of the reasons this this thing works is especially, you know, 40 years on, like uh, Vietnam vets are increasingly kind of seen as, as sympathetic uh, people. We feel kind of collectively bad about how as- certain aspects of our culture treated the, the you know, the soldiers. I'm reminded of, um, you know, the, the late Michael Brooks's uh, adage to be ruthless with systems, but kind to individuals. Uh, If you want to criticize the Vietnam War, fair enough. I've got plenty to criticize. But like, you know, you see if born on the 4th of July and things like that. And you realize that a lot of people got into this with the best of intentions. And especially the or 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 here's another thing. Got drafted without Mm -hmm. any fucking say in the world. Some of the poorest, most disadvantaged of us and sent over to a country halfway around the world. And these people are spit on and called baby killers. And um. It's it's just very sympathetic. It's very sympathetic. So you feel bad for Rambo just when you think that he's like a homeless kind of like vet. And then you he gets his comeuppance and his like kind of revenge on these these small minded people. Um, it all works very well, um, especially since, again, there's so much restraint. Like there's this midpoint in the movie where, you know, Rambo has disabled all of his decept- deputies non lethally. And then he comes for Denny. He's got the knife right at his throat. And he's like, I could have killed all of these, all your men, and I could have killed you. In town, you're the law. Out here, it's me. Let this go. Like, yeah. oh, like, like pleading. Like, come on. Like, I don't make me kill you, fuckers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stuff is just, just all works. And it leads up to his speech at the end, um, where all this stuff pulls out, and like the stuff that's really poignant. And he's like, over there, I could fly a gunship. I could drive a tank. I was trusted with million dollar equipment here. I can't hold a job for two weeks parking cars. Yeah. And when I was reading some retrospective threads of people discussing this movie, like this line really resonated with a lot of vets. Like there is a guy on Reddit said that he was uh, an engineer on a uh, aircraft carrier working like all this, the a nuclear reactor, you know, spinning the screws on one of those powerful warships on the, and he got out of service and he spent, 18 months stocking shelves at target trying to find a job and like how crazy and insulting I, I saw other people like tank drivers and um and other like you know radar technicians having the same like that that, that really speaks to them the fact that like you're highly trained and very intelligent and yet you know especially for vietnam era vets like you had a buddy got exploded to you at a bar in Saigon and you wake up screaming every other night and you have a hard time. Like he, the other thing is poignant is like, sometimes I go for days, weeks without even speaking to anyone because how do I even, um, yeah. Yeah. Like what do we do with these warriors once we're done with them? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think so there are two alternate endings to this movie. Um, I don't know if it's if it's in the alternate ending or if it's in the real ending now because I watched them both. Um, but he he tells Travis like, "Hey, you you made me what I am." Um, in one of those, and that's the thing that always comes back to me when I'm when I'm watching a movie like this um, about this subject, about especially Vietnam era vets, but vets in general, mm-hmm. like we're we're turning them into what we need them to be to do the job they do over there. But then we are not giving them, we are not then turning them back into something we want them to be in society. Or if we, you know, barring the ability to do that, we are not giving them the support they need. It's, it's kind of crazy to me 
how little support they get when they come back. We've got programs for like, oh, you can you can buy a house cheaper or whatever. Is that really what they need when they come back or do they need a lot of help readjusting to the society that they don't recognize anymore? And some like vets had it easier, you know, when you come home from World War Two and you're lauded as heroes and like the whole nation is behind you. And, you know, yeah, you're getting free college and you've got all these fraternities that you can join after the war. But guys like Rambo, who his whole company gets wiped out. And that's one of the other thing after he he talks about I can't even hold a job parking cars, but he talks about I don't have any friends. All my friends are over there and we're always talking about going to Vegas and driving in my buddy's 58 convertible and we're going to cruise to the wheels fell off. and. It's it's like he almost reverts back to like the high school kid he probably was when he went into Vietnam yeah. and he's just crying about like that was you could tell that's the thing that got them through. Like, man, when we get mm-hmm. done, we're going to go back home and we're going to cruise and we're going to forget about all this stuff. And now everyone's dead and it's left left for him to remember. And there's no good times. There's no job prospects. There's no romance. There's just yeah. thoughts of cleaning body parts of his dead bodies from some VK kid coming in there and suiciding himself with a shine box. It's like fucked up and again i think salai almost uniquely can play that poor kid from a disadvantaged inner city that was shipped over there and and like taken advantage like obviously uh they figured out what they got there and they put him in special forces and trained him and he could do anything he could do anything given the chance but he can't there's a book um iron john by robert bly and he talks i don't know how much this stuff is true but it resonated with me um that like other cultures like Vikings had these berserkers that they would get like drunk and like riled up and put two axes in their arms and just send on to the enemies. And like they would, they would go like essentially achieve some kind of battlefield insanity where all they did was like want to, you know, rip and tear kind of. And, but they all, and there's like whole ceremonies and rituals about getting yourself geared up to that. But then there was also a whole process when the battle was over to like, take these guys away to kind of like recondition them to be back in the village. So they're not just like, you know, wanting to bathe in blood and rip and tear all the time. And I do feel like, you know, with the chronic underfunding, the VA and what we hear about, like, you know, I mean, it's, I know it varies city to city and place to place, but like, sure. I think it's not controversial to say we don't do enough to help vets with, with PTSD. Do we really need them coming um, back and having to find a job pumping gas, having to find a job at Target yeah. stocking the shelves? Why don't we support them for yeah. the time it takes for them to reintegrate? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, as, especially since we're getting better and better at saving their physical bodies, like, you know, people are surviving wounds that would have been, they'd just been dead. They'd have been Arlington. Now they've got, you know, they're they're yeah. alive, but they're missing an eye and two legs. Like, and yeah, they're going to, what, be a Walmart greeter? What the fuck? Um. Anyway, I I just like this slides this unique like, this character Medal of Honor winner and you know it's like the Vietnam whatever you feel but like he 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 right. served his country to the best of his ability did all the things he's told to do told was told what he's doing was good for the country was his duty mm-hmm. and then he gets back and civilians are spitting on him uh he can't you know properly feed or care for himself so he's smelling he's homeless he's a vagrant it's it's just sad this this movie is a tragedy more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I think this movie, because I want to shift away from him to Brian Dennehy as Sheriff uh, Teasel, yeah, and I guess the police in general. 
The one thing from the book that I think made a lot of sense and resonates with me after I watched Born on the Fourth of July is they established in the book that this guy is kind of a badass himself. He was a Marine commander in the Korean War. Okay. And one of the things I've got the impression is a lot of World War II and Korean era vets were not necessarily approving of the Vietnam era veterans. You know, because there's this reputation for them to be an undisciplined and smoking dope and committing atrocities and all that kind of stuff. But that was more of a political and media driven thing than it was like, you know, Korea versus Vietnam, you know, in terms of the intervention. And he had this personal grudge, you know, when this stinky guy wearing a, a, a service uniform with a tattered, dirty flag, long hippie hair. You know, he walks into his town. It's not just like, oh, this is a veteran. I should be. It's more of like, oh, it's one of those Vietnam. It's this one of those long haired, dope smoking, undisciplined, yeah. gave all of us veterans a bad name, you know, testifying in Congress that then throwing away their medals. John, all, like there is this. It wasn't just in being cruel for cruel sake. It's more of like um, just a generational kind of disconnect. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of hints of that that I was looking for, like in, in his uh office in a sheriff department there's a purple heart like this guy's a decorated war kind of war hero too um and i wish they could have like you know this movie's a trim 90 minutes i think a couple minutes of him like david caruso like why you got the heart on for this guy let me tell you about these sons of bitches and how they've disgraced like a little something yeah. because as it is it's like almost insane how what a bug up his ass he's got about rambo yeah and you can't tell like you don't get any of that like oh this is probably a generational veteran kind of thing you just get like this is a cop who doesn't like vagrants uh yeah that's that's the flavor i get from that character yeah rambo's like why are you pushing me yeah i know you guys we don't like guys around like you drifters you get one drifter then 10 drifters and now you got 20 drifters in your town and you know fortunately uh Following that policy in America has led to the fact that there's no homeless people in America. You right. just, you just, we're, if you get, you get a drifter in your town, mm-hmm. you drive them 30, up, 30 miles uh, across the bridge, you drop them off, and then they just, they just they wander off forever. Yeah. They just, they just, they just evaporate into the ether. Sure. Uh, and now there's no homeless people in America. It's amazing. But he yeah, I wish other, there was something else. I do too. Yeah. Um, he, he's got this other speech that, um, I'm not sure how much the movie wants this speech to be the thing that kind of defines uh, his reasons for attacking Rambo. But like he talks about how, you know, when people have a complaint and that they're being mistreated, they need to come to me. They need to come up the chain of command. Right. And I'll deal with it because if people just start dealing with it themselves, all hell breaks loose. Um, And I think the movie is trying to sympathize him a little bit there because i don't Mm. think that's entirely untrue my question is what happens when someone comes to you with a valid complaint and you do nothing what is the recourse because that is what is happening in this movie um yeah john rambo says like why why are you doing this you know why are you pushing me and he doesn't have a reason he just does it because he's an asshole apparently so yeah yeah at that point you know, all hell has broken loose. And unfortunately, you're on the wrong end of John Rambo. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, you know, the other thing is like, I, I feel like you're supposed to understand that he's bullshitting. Mm-hmm. Like the state cop is kind of like, which maybe is a rung above the professionalism of the small town jerkwater USA town is like, you know, when he hears about the way they treated this prisoner, 
It's kind of like raising eyebrows. He's like, oh, that's all bullshit. And if one of my deputies got out of hand, I'd have kicked his ass. But then in the scene before, you hear about him talking about like they were best friends and they grew up together and they got each other's back. There's no way this Galt guy is this big an asshole yeah. in town and he doesn't know it and he's never kicked his ass. So it's like it's 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 all hollow and mm-hmm. uh, bullshit. And this is the Galt guy, man. He's the one that I wanted to get dead most of all. And it was so satisfying his own. His own stupidity and bloodlust and arrogance did him in like, you know, like he man, I felt bad for a helicopter pilot, too, because like he's like, this is dangerous. I don't want to be here. I hear your boss on the thing screaming for you not to shoot this guy. Uh And he's like, if you don't if you don't stay here and hold this bird steady, I'm going to kill you. And like, fuck, I guess like you'd believe him because what's going to stop him? He's trying to kill this dude against orders. Right. Um. You know, maybe he has an accident. Maybe the helicopter goes uh, sideways thanks to the thermal for a second. And this guy just yeah. falls out, you know? Yeah, 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 Who yeah. knows? Um, I also have, I, I this is, has nothing to do with anything, but I found in research it's an amazing story. <laughs> so Patton Oswalt told this in an interview about Brian Dennehy. Uh, so Patton Oswalt is like getting a start and he's at like one of his first after parties or rap parties and there's a buffet and he's going back for seconds, but he's standing there kind of like torn because he's feeling because I guess his agent has told him like, hey, you should lose some weight. You get some better roles. And he's but, you know, and he, but he really wants to because, you know, Patton like me, he's kind of a big boy. And as he's going through his moment of pathos, like Brian Denny comes up behind him, claps a big, you know, boulder sized hand on his shoulder and says, character actors, huh? Who gives a fuck if we're fat? And just goes <laughs> plows in for thirds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that story. He yeah, said Bri- he decides like it, like an archangel for fat kids. Brian did. He came up from behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I loved it. Uh, he's he's great in this movie. Brian Denny. Uh, you know, I hate his character so much, but the actor is oh, so yeah. good. He's really good, especially when you think of like, I guess, people that passed on this role. Um, mm. Kirk Douglas uh, was one of them. Kirk douglas was one of them um the one that really raised my eyes i think would have been like man what if that had happened uh uh, uh, god damn it who's tom hagan and the godfather um uh yep robert duvall robert duvall robert duvall because he's got that kind of hard ass gear that he can play and he might have been able to out denny but denny he's denny he's perfect i think he's great yeah the other thing that i think makes this work this like triangle relationship between the antagonist the protagonist and colonel troutman uh so like this guy and and i guess he he came uh in because uh the guy that was supposed to do this um was it was it kirk douglas was troutman I, oh, yeah, he... he was gonna be true yes yes yeah, Kirk and then Douglas he quit be tra- because he had some disagreements on the script. Yeah, he he wanted to do something at the end of the script. He walked off like two days before shooting. They get this guy in, and I guess they're having to like read him his lines for his takes because he didn't have the script memorized. Wow! But this guy is like punching way above his weight in this movie, and he's got mm-hmm. some killer lines. Like Denny, he is bitching about like why did God make a man like Rambo? And he smash cuts to him. God didn't make Rambo. I did, and. Yeah. Met him telling this the is, cops how fucked they are is some of my favorite stuff. It's it's cheesier than this movie probably should have gone if it wanted to stay right. serious. But but lines like it were Dennehy's, I don't know, saying something about how they're going to get Rambo. And he's like, well, that's like bringing the pigeons to the cat. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good. And it's like, yeah, so what do you think that your boys got a chance but, but with 200 guys with machine guns and however many dogs and three helicopters? And he's like, well, if you go up there with that many people, just make sure you bring a lot of body bags. Because yep. like, yeah, I'm not saying you can't take down Rambo, right. but he's going to kill like 30 of you in the process. And mm-hmm. is that what you want to do? Also, like. You know, this guy's like ranting and raving and Troutman looks at him and because he's like, oh, this guy's, you know, you can't just assault officers and be vagrant. And he's like, ah, vagrancy. It's going to re- look real good on his tombstone. Here lies the Medal of Honor winner, survivor of countless incursions against enemy lines, killed in Jerkwater, USA <laughs> for vagrancy. Jerkwater, um, USA is the best fake town name uh, I've ever it- heard. And even though he's got some cheesy lines like that part where they're after in the bar, like after they think the Rambo's killed. Mm-hmm. And him and Denny, he, you know, Denny, he's trying to be magnanimous in victory. Right. And there's this point where he's like, well, what, you know, what would you have done if you would have, you know, met up with him? And he has this thing like he kind of like, like soberly considers it. And there's like this long pause and he like summons up all this gravitas and says, I wouldn't know until I met him face to face. It's like, I, I was like, man, this guy is like really, really good. Um, yeah. They really hit it. They, they got lucky that their last minute replacement was able to to carry this stuff. There's um, some I don't know, there's some there's a bare sliver of daylight between this character in in First Blood and this character in a Leslie Nielsen airplane movie. Like it, it's it's minute. It's tiny and it yeah. barely hangs on this side of believability. But it worked for me. Yeah, I was thinking the Colonel from MacGruber is the same way. Like, sure. it's, it's it's a parody. It's like, oh, this guy's going to tear you multiple assholes and you won't even know. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it works because we didn't know that this was a ridiculous thing that could be parodied uh, if you push it a little bit too far. Now we do. It's true. Hot shots and and uh, naked guns and MacGruber's and all that stuff. Um, Some stuff that doesn't work. Oh, I mean, yeah. we can talk about stuff that works, too. But here's the one thing that stands out the tunnel rat scene. And I don't mean like the flashback to Vietnam as an actual tunnel rat. I mean, him going through tunnels and having an Indiana Jones amount of rats to deal with. Um, yeah. The scene's fine. I just, I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is like snakes with Indiana Jones, speaking of other large in life heroes, and he just can't stand rats. But like Stallone plays him with like, I don't know, like, like a little bit of a uh, housewife on a chair eek eek about these rats where I, I just yeah. I don't know I guess maybe some guys are comfortable doing one thing or another but like it just it, it it was a weird moment like I feel like cut that out and give Dennehy two minutes of ranting and raving about how Korean war vets were skipped over and no one paid them any attention and these Vietnam dirty Vietnam I, that didn't, that's the one scene that like ah I would have cut that one still get it to 88 minutes yeah I, I would have I would have cut that I, I think a better scene there might have been for him to just have to go totally underwater to get through one of these passages and all of his mm-hmm. torches get wet he's unable to he, yeah. he's taking a shot in the dark here right where right. he's got to get through this and maybe there's something on the other side that will lead him to salvation but maybe not um, yeah yeah that could have been cool I think that would have been did you have any others that you thought because that's like I said that's the that's the one and it's such a minor it's like a 30 second scene yeah of him. like oh god the rats the rats uh, no they're uh, my hair <laughs> yeah uh, that's that's not super egregious the worst thing in this movie to me is that final song that plays over the credits I oh I think this is a god awful song it's a long road and it's so it, it it's a tonal clash with 
this nice emotional moment you saw at the end of this movie and and the action that happened up until then it, it this is written by a guy who's like a grammy winner who writes and performs uh, writes and this stuff was for like well Celine thought Dion. of yeah this Dude, was this, this was also was well thought of kind of as a rambo theme for the the next uh-huh. for the sequels and for the, the animated, animated series. series yes yeah this is a shitty song this is a I don't think Dan Hill, who uh, actually performed this thing, is actually a very good singer. I This music was written by Jerry Goldsmith, who I think should stick to music uh, composition mm-hmm. for films, not hit songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lyrics were by a guy named Hal Shaper. I don't know anything about him, but the lyrics are terrible. The, mm-hmm. the Everything about this song is bad. Very bad. 100%. And I cannot believe it stuck around for the rest of Rambo. And it sucks because it almost ruined like if they had had just a, a normal classical theme for like 30 seconds into the credits and then they started this up, it'd be fine because I could stop yeah. it before. But it like starts several bars into the like where I should be sitting and thinking about like, is this justice? Is this fair? Am right. I OK with how this works? Is a Rambo OK? Like what's going to happen? Like I but like as soon as I. In doing that, the movie is poorly telling me what to think about it. With it's a long road. Yeah, no, it it sucks. It, it was sucks. it was bad by eighty standards. It's god awful now. Yeah, but people, like I said, it was it was pretty well regarded and sold well, and they used it like literally everywhere. So I I don't know Ugh. what to say about that. Um, yeah. A couple final thoughts I had. Um, what did you think of the? Because I know you've seen it, you alerted to. What did you think of the alternate ending of Rambo, which is more? consistent with the 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 plot at the end of the book i guess in the end of the book that john rambo and uh um uh the brian denny's character uh sheriff jerkwater are mutually wounded to the point of death and yeah. troutman comes in and and uh mercy kills rambo and then sits and spends his his final moments with the uh, the other guy um teasel sheriff teasel yeah and this the the alternate ending is uh, Rambo begs um, Colonel Troutman to kill him, and he kind of refuses to do so. But then Rambo grabs the gun, like you know, covers his hands with his, pulls it to his chest, and makes him fire, which kills him. Uh, what do you got any thoughts about which was superior to the other? Or? I feel like I like the actual ending of the film better than the alternate. Um, it's certainly more hopeful, which I like out of movies. Call me a uh, sap a sucker whatever I like that stuff um, but it's not a super strong preference I think either one works in this case yeah I don't man optimistic because I didn't feel optimistic at the end of this movie um, although I guess like I mean it's more optimistic Ram- than him being could dead. Rambo beat the rap or the tra- or, or like so is the idea that Rambo is going to beat the rap because no, like I think it's just the idea that Rambo could have a life after this at, at some point I feel like the life he's going to have is like reinducted in some kind of shadowy clandestine. It's like, you're just going to, we're going to take you and put you in Delta force and we'll just throw you against the enemies of America clandestine until you die. Oh, see, like, I think, I think he's going to prison and he's going to come out at some point and hopefully have a decent mm. life. Yeah. And I was trying to think as, as I was working on my notes, I was thinking like, what would the likely outcome? Because he didn't actually kill anybody. The arrest, the circumstances of the arrest were bullshit in the first place. He's very traumatized. He's a Medal of Honor winner. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like he's still going to go away for a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he <laughs> and, and if they can sell a whole bunch of uh, the town. Um, yep. And if they can sell and be a cop a lot killer. of police officers. Sure. Sure. Um, so the other thing is, could I sell you on the idea that First Blood is a Christmas movie? Probably not, but I'm really interested <laughs> to hear there's, why so you think you could. I, I didn't even think of this until the last act. There's a prominent giant Santa Claus drinking Coca-Cola oh, right. billboard in the middle of, of town. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a giant there's a Christmas tree in the police department as it's getting shot up and as Rambo's doing all of his pathos stuff. Um, and it's set in the, you know, obviously in the winter to snow underground, it's got to be in, I think it's a set in the December of 81. If we could, if we only had a Christmas song, you right. know, like, uh, man, I'll be Jingle home. But imagine rock. they or replace the final bullshit long road with, uh, I'll be home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, they had established that he was like hoping to make it to his buddy's house for Christmas because he doesn't have any families desperate. And like this would be I would I would fight till my dying breath that this is a Christmas movie as it is. I think <laughs> I think it's a little it's a little weak. Yeah, it's certainly it's just, not yeah. a Christmas movie, although yeah. there is that line where Rambo says, you know, if it wasn't for uh, that bad Christmas present that I that I got last year, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing any of this. Mm-hmm. There's that line. It's right near the beginning. It's quick. You might miss it. Have you seen the last Rambo? I, was that Rambo six for last blood? So yeah. Yeah, last what was Last Blood. Okay. Yeah, did did you ever see that? No, I saw the remake. Well, the remake of Rambo. Uh, I want to talk about that in a second, but I, I I saw Rambo, right? Yeah, we both saw that. I th- remember thinking that was a pretty good action flick, but yeah. nothing like this. No, it wasn't like uh, I was hoping it would be the Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. like cap off to like okay this film series kind of lost its way got way too in this 80 sequel action itis but now we actually bring back to the core of what's good about the character and it's interesting about the character um but i i don't know I've, i haven't heard anything about last blood can we talk about the way mm-hmm. this 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 movie series name is more fraught than like the xbox you got first yes. blood uh rambo, rambo one, first blood Part two. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not. First Blood, Rambo, First Blood, Part two, Rambo three, Rambo, then Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> what yeah, it's uh, messed up, man. I yeah. swear uh, AVGN must have done a series on this. He, he does these like mixed up name uh, franchises things where he just goes over the names of crazy things like Friday the 13th is really fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. Or or. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. This whole franchise is weird. Did you know there was a Bollywood remake of Rambo? Dude, I just found out and it came out like la- I think it came out last year. I it's it certainly I'm desperate to. to see it. I saw the trailer yeah. and it looks nothing like First Blood. It looks far more oh, like course. Rambo 3. Right, um, right. It's just well, like I mean, this over the top action extravaganza. That's Bollywood. I mean, it's tends yeah. to be a little over the top, but I, I really, really want to see it uh, as soon as it, but it's weird because it should have come out, but the Wikipedia article is still written in the future tense. And I don't yeah. know if it's because no one gives a fuck about coming back and editing the entry for the Bollywood thing for the Rambo remake or it could be uh, coronavirus that, just postponed it, right? 
could be yeah but i thought the filming was like wrapped up in 2018 and it was going to oh. be a 2019 or 2020 release maybe well, they pushed the it theaters back because closed they down yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Could i don't be. know what theater yeah. uh theater life is like over in india but yeah yeah i would have i would have actually looked up and see if it came out a little bit harder if i'd known that we would talk about it but yeah uh-huh. i uh, if i it's apparently it's filmed so it'll come out eventually if it's not out already i definitely i definitely want to see it i want to add it to because i've got the the Rambo complete edition, um, which oh. I kind of obsessed with this movie. Now there's, um, I got this box set that has all the Rambos from first blood all the way to the, not the last blood, but the one before that. And it's got a bunch, it's got a st- sliced alone commentary track for this film. That's cool. Um, like a making of featurette. And so this other stuff that I didn't get a chance to watch. Cause I, I just got this. I thought it was going to be a bear, but because it was one of those things where they got like eight discs shoved into like a single DVD cover. And that in my mind, it usually is just a shovel of the, yeah. you know, like I've had, I've got a bunch of those collections and they almost have or bare bones, but like these discs are kind of loaded. So like, I kind of nice. want to work my way through and, and uh, see some of this. Cause I, I, yeah, I had no idea the, how fraught the making of this film was, how many fits and starts it did, how like the, the disastrous first cut, how yeah. like the the legend is that like I guess Stallone was like right wanted to write this project off but to get like international financing for distribution they did a 40 minute like highlight reel and like he was supposed to show up to kind of say some words afterwards and he's like his you know, I guess he got bullied into it or his agent said he had to and he was sitting in the theater and he's watching and he's like holy shit this 40 minutes is pretty hot mm-hmm. you know what just cut out all my bullshit and this film's going to be good <laughs> yeah like yeah what what i mean if, if not for that who knows what would happen so uh speaking of disc versions of of this i've got a 4k version of this that i watch with hdr and all that um mm-hmm. on my the nice sound setup and everything this movie looks really good like it's got the film it grain does. which you expect from yep from that but the restoration they did is really good especially like the explosion scenes and the fire scenes like when he's carrying a torch through the yeah. darkness of that cave it's it's it looks really good in 4k yeah i noticed i don't have the 4k i've got the the blu-ray um restoration is what this one is and i noticed gotcha. like when he had that the combat knife he's using as a torch like stuck in i could see like little drips of fire dripping yeah. down of it. and the, like the color levels when he's in those the, the not color the light levels when he's in the tunnel uh-huh. you know a lot of so good like the the in the battle scenes in the town are so dark but like you can clearly see everything that's going on this movie is yeah. amazingly well lit mm-hmm. um and very atmospheric because it's very pacific northwest winter cold and dreary and overcast and everything's gray there's no light <laughs> oh, no sunshine me so this was filmed in british columbia and this is something i pulled out right. of wikipedia it's not you know uh you know, my own research here but like i found out that they had to import all the weapons that they used on this movie into canada <laughs> yeah. for filming because they just mm-hmm. didn't have them or whatever up there. So they import Kansas a bunch of weapons. pop guns and sword. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and, and they go on to start filming this movie. And then 50 of the weapons turn out missing during the filming of this movie. Hey, Canadians desperate to get their hold on the boom boom. I, That's so wild. I, I, I saw that too. And then I saw another article that talked about like what actually happened is that one of their big military trucks got stolen. And it happened to have it like the the, the okay. headline is 50 weapons stolen off the set, but it's probably more like someone made off with this big military truck. And hey, Oz a bonus that had 50 guns in the back. But, yeah, it's like fast and still, furious. Yeah. Paul Walker yeah. uh, and Vin Diesel came up, stole a truck and we're like, hey, what's in this? 
No, they knew they were high. The, the when um uh I don't know who I can't think of any of the characters. Uh, the villains. I, I can't. You know what? I can't. I can think of well, action pieces in those movies, but I can't think of a single fucking like plot. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what, Letty, what about Letty? Letty was like a, a quarter bad, mile at a time. That's a plot. The, I, sure, sure. That's I don't. That's a theme more yeah, than a, like yeah, in Corona and Family. Right. And that one time that Letty lost her mind and forgot who she was and was a villain. But uh, yeah, I mean the villain in that first movie is Vin Diesel, right? <laughs> like that's the yeah. guy that Paul Walker's trying to catch as the undercover cop. But at one point, Rock was the villain too. True, and for True. sure, uh, Transporter guy was the villain. And they're all like one big happy family now. So it's family, family over everything. There I you know go. who the villain in First Blood is. It's Brian Dennehy's Teasel. Brian Dennehy te- is Teasel. Um, I will say that like this is a notch above a lot of these other eighty action eighties action films. Oh, one yeah. of the mission objectives I have for twenty twenty one is to bring bring some eighties action back into our coverage. Um. It's hard because that's like we're we were swimming in pulp in this era with unlimited mm-hmm. Marvel and Disney Star Wars uh, releases and uh, the Walking Dead. We're trying to catch up on. But like I would like to find a break where we can do like a half dozen of the the, the great 80s films that we haven't haven't so far covered. Um, yeah, we, we, can get we that need on the to get to because... Predator finally, because I Jesus, I, I right. found myself watching this movie and in those scenes in the woods going. I need to watch Predator again because I'm not sure it's much better than this. Honestly, this is so good. I don't think Predator is a better movie. Like it's a better pure action film. It's one of the best Certainly. pure action films, but a better movie. No way. No way. A silly movie about yeah. an alien hunting dudes in the jungles of fucking Cambodia or whatever. It's South America. I think is there's no way that's as good as this soldier coming home getting spit on and shit on and for sure pushed beyond the breaking point yeah it's, it's just these scenes in the woods i'm like man did predator really do much better action than this because this is kind of amazing it really is I especially predator, since it's, yeah. just, it's just all so fucking real i just watched it yeah. like six months ago nice um, i got the blu-ray if you want to borrow it yeah well i hope you've enjoyed our discussion of this 80s action film um prestige action film uh you will not be finding the rest of our 80s action film in the prestige definitely look forward in the pulp section mm-hmm. uh but yeah i can't wait to see you back here again until then i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya